Hello and welcome to In the Kitchen with Mary Mack. Today we're going to talk about something you may or may not have ever had, but you definitely should have at some point in your life, and that is the low country boil. This is the perfect time of year, late July, early August, for low country boil because corn is in it and corn is ready. Potatoes are just beginning to be harvested. They call them new potatoes. Onions are being dug. Shrimp is in season. Now, a low country boil can have more seafood in it than that, but this is what we're going to do in ours. So we're making a stovetop version of a classic low country boil. So to start off with, if you don't know what a low country boil is, it's basically a one-pot meal. In the coastal southern states, it's a very popular thing, um, like compared to, say, cooking out if you have a cookout or a barbecue in the those parts of the country ranging from North Carolina down the coast so North Carolina South Carolina Georgia and northern Florida where you have the sea islands a low country boil is really popular and if they do it for a cookout they do it in these great big kettles and then um, they boil all the things together they cook everything together and then they dump it out into sort of like a trough and you go along and get the stuff that you want out of there and eat it and it is phenomenal. Is it also popular along like the Gulf Coast in like Louisiana, Alabama around there? I'm not sure. I think it is, but I think it's a little different. And I don't, it's not called a low country boil. Sometimes they'll call it a crawfish boil or a shrimp boil or something like that. But a low country boil is very specific to the Sea Island area. And the reason is what they call a Sea Island area goes from like Cape Fear in North Carolina. And it runs down the coast around Charleston. There's a lot of sea islands around Charleston. And then down into Georgia where there's also a lot of sea islands, especially like in the Savannah area. And then into northern Florida around the Jacksonville area. And what sea islands are are basically they're islands that they're on the main coast of the land. So they're not like way out in the water. But rivers, streams, creeks run in between them. So there's there's like tons of islands um, in that area, especially if you think about South Carolina in the Charleston area, it's just all islands. And there's, there's a lot of big ones, like um, there's John's Island. Um, if you go out to Foley Beach is on a big island, and then there's a lot of different islands around behind that and a lot of towns in those islands. And back in the 17 and 1800s, when there were plantations in those areas, slaves worked on the farms and in the rice fields in those sea islands. So what would happen is these wealthy landowners would own this land that's, uh, it's, it's an island, it has streams around it, it's really wet, and it's not a place you want to be in the summertime. And they had rice plantations there. They did. Um, they raised cotton there also, but rice did really, really well in those areas. And they also raised indigo. So they would have slaves from West Africa, and in West Africa, they were very good at growing rice. These people were. That was something that they had done for thousands of years in West Africa was grow rice. So these slaves are kidnapped and brought to the Americas, and. This rice farming begins, and these people 
are put on farms that are on the sea island areas, but the plantation owners didn't want to be out there because there was mosquitoes. With mosquitoes, you had malaria and yellow fever and all that sort of thing. So what they kind of did was they let those slaves out there working on their own all along the coast down there, and they had people watching over them, overseeing them, but it was mostly the large part of the population in the Sea Islands was slaves from Africa. So what happened was, with very little oversight, no one kind of telling them not to do things, they were able to culturally connect to one another. And even though they were from a variety of countries on that coast there, so you had like Angola, Sierra Leone, the Congo areas, all along that coast, where, you know, where Ivory Coast is on West Africa and going up towards the Basque Congo and that, all of those different peoples kind of came together and became a people in and of themselves. And they are called the Gullah or the Gullah Geechee people. And it's because they all kind of came together and they, they kind of, I guess you would say they melded their African cultures. So they have a language that's very similar to um, like a Creole language that's spoken in New Orleans in that area where it's like a Creole, sort of like a French English slang language with maybe some African words thrown in it. So the Gullah Geechee, or like they call it the Geechee languages, are that similar thing. It's an African, they use African words from several different African languages blended with French and English. So the language is, sometimes you can, you read it or you hear it and you'll recognize words because there's a lot of English words thrown in there. And if you know French at all, familiar with French, you'll hear some French influences on it too. These people have lived in this area for a long time. They made it their own. They brought their own cooking style to it. They brought their own artistic style to it. So when you're in the Sea Islands, it's really, it's really a, a fantastically rich cultural area to visit. People weave these baskets from seagrass, and the, the baskets that are woven here are exactly the same as baskets that have been woven for thousands of years in the coast of West Africa. Exactly. So that that culture was not lost because those people were able to retain a lot of their culture. So there's so many, um, the, the cooking is very similar to what you would find in West Africa. And I'm not sure if people know a lot about African, particularly West African style cooking, but like from, you know, where you're on those coastal countries it's it's pretty much mirrors the coast of the United States where you have uh, similar seafoods, fish, um, things like that. The seasonings are very strong and rich. A lot of garlic, a lot of oregano, a lot of um, heat. Things are hot and spicy, and you don't. I guess you don't think like I don't know. I don't know what people think they're going to eat when they eat African cooking, but it's not what you think it is. So it's very rich and flavorful and very spicy and includes different sorts. It blends things, it, you know, um, for example, with our low country boil, we're going to have uh, potatoes and corn and shrimp and a spicy sausage in it. So that's a sort of a, maybe things that you wouldn't cook all together in one pot. And then they're also cooked with a very spicy seasoning in the pot. And then there's a, a lovely 
Gullah Geechee sauce that we're going to make also. That's a, it's a, a seafood sauce that's great on, I think it would be great on everything. I think it would be great to dip like uh, bread in and eat it or pizza crust. You know, it's like that. So, and it's really, really simple. So now that you've had your Gullah Geechee history lesson, I suggest that you go look online and read about the Sea Island people. It's so interesting. If you're ever in the area, especially like I said, around the Charleston area, north of Charleston, there's a section of the highway that's dedicated to the artisans that make these hand-woven baskets. And you can go down, it's called the Sweetgrass Highway, and you can go down the section of highway, and there are just tons of people who actually are sitting there weaving these baskets. And they sell them along the road, and they're beautiful. And I've, I've bought several of them. I've stopped several times. They use They weave in pine needles and make patterns, and they're it's the same way that they've been doing this for thousands of years. And they're gorgeous, beautiful baskets that they make. So it, the area is just so full of history. It's full of a very sad history, of course, with the history of slavery. But it's also full of this history of this people group that was able to preserve so much of their culture just because of where they were working, you know, and and what they were able to do there. So it's really, it's really an interesting area. So here's the recipe. We're going to do the low country boil. And this is a stovetop version of a low country boil. So we can call it that stovetop low country boil. This serves about six people, but realistically it probably serves 12 people. It's a lot of food, but what you need is a very large pot. And I think probably, I think I, the pot I used was a five gallon pot. So you could use like a four or five gallon, a, a great big cooking pot to do this in, okay? And you need a very big colander to drain it into. So if you don't have those two things, either borrow them or buy them. It's worth it. It's very much worth it, okay? And here's the supplies you're going to need. You need one 12-ounce beer. And what you want is something like an IPA, a summer wheat, a lager or a pilsner, something that is flavorful but not too flavorful. Um, and you don't want a real heavy beer. You don't want a brown beer or a, a heavy type of, a, of like a... Um, you, you don't want like a stout or a no. lager. You want something No, lighter. you don't want a stout. You can use a lager. You don't want a stout. You don't want a brown, a dark mm-hmm. brown beer. You could probably use like a red ale. Would be I think a red ale would be really good. But something that's light, lighter... I guess, lighter and really flavorful, okay? And almost like an like if you had an IPA that was um, a real hoppy IPA would be good because you get that tart, that citrusy tartness in it, and that would be a good thing in this. So any one of those beers, you know, get yourself a 12-pack and drink the other ones while you're making it, okay? You need two nice big sweet onions, like a Vidalia-style onion, um, something like that, and you want to clean them and quarter them. You need a half a cup of boil seafood seasoning. That is like your Old Bay style seasoning. Now, what I used was a Creole seasoning because I, Old Bay's okay, but Old Bay, you know, is Old Bay. I used a good Creole seasoning and it's Tony Sashir's Creole seasoning. And it looks like it says Tony Chacheri's. But it's Tony. I had to look up the pronunciation on YouTube because I wanted to be able to say it right. They have a really hilarious commercial on YouTube. But it's Tony Sacheri's Creole Seasoning. You need a half cup of that. If you don't like things that are very hot, 
Okay, if heat bothers you, go down to a fourth cup. Okay, because a half cup, I mean, that's a lot. I sneezed for a half hour after I put that in, so it was wicked. But if, it's, if you don't like really hot, spicy, then go down to a fourth cup. You need two bay leaves. You need two tablespoons of kosher salt. And you need a half teaspoon of freshly ground black pepper. Now, optionally, if you want even more heat, you can use either two tablespoons of whole black peppercorns or one tablespoon of cracked black peppercorns. That's completely optional, though, because you're going to be getting a lot of heat off of the Creole seasoning or the Old Bay. Okay, now that is your boil right there. You're going to put that into your pot with about... I'm going to say two gallons of water in your pot. No, I take that back. Make that about five quarts of water. Let's go five quarts of water. It's a little over a gallon, okay? So you're going to put five quarts of water into your pot. Then you're going to add your beer, your onions. Very carefully add your seafood seasonings. I dumped mine in, which is why I sneezed for half an hour, and then, like, my face was burning. It was awful. So just very carefully, you know, add that seafood seasoning. And then put in your two tablespoons of salt and your half teaspoon of pepper. Stir that into the water and bring it to a boil. Oh, and put your bay leaves in there too. You want your bay leaves in there too, okay? Now, so you've got your five quarts of water, your 12-ounce beer, your cut-up onions, your seafood seasoning, your bay leaves, your salt, and your pepper, and your peppercorns if you choose to use them, in the water. You're going to bring that to a boil. Once it begins to boil... You want to boil that for 15 minutes. And I would suggest stirring it a couple times because the spices will come up on the sides of the pan, you know. So stir that down. Make sure it all stays in the water. Boil it for 15 minutes so all those beautiful flavors can mix. Now, the first thing you're going to add is for the boil itself, you're going to need 12 new potatoes or small golf ball sized potatoes and you want to scrub those leave the skins on them scrub them real good and cut them in half okay so 12 smallish or 12 new potatoes they can be any color or kind you want you need about one pound of andouille sausage which is the um, new orleans style sausage and you want to cut that into two inch pieces you can get um i think johnsonville makes them in like a hot dog size so you can get those and just um just get one package uh one pound cut them into two inch pieces four ears of corn that's been husked and the um, hairs removed and you want to cut your corn into about three inch pieces or take one corn cob and cut it into three to four pieces depending upon how long it is okay so that's four ears of corn and then you need two pounds of raw shrimp it can either be shell on or shelled and cleaned so what i got um the shrimp that i used was wild-caught Atlantic shrimp from off the coast of Georgia. And it's, uh, I I wish I could remember the brand name. I'm sorry. I'm drawing a blank on that. But it is uh, already cleaned and deveined and all that. It doesn't have a shell on it, but it is all, it's still raw. Okay. So that's, that's what I like to use. If you don't care about messing with a shell, get the shell on shrimp, but make sure it's been cleaned already because that's, easier for you. Okay. So here's what you're going to do. You got your water boiling with your seasonings in it. The first thing you're going to do is put your potatoes in there. Okay. 
and you're going to put the potatoes in and you're going to cook them until they're just getting tender, which is going to be like 10 minutes. So first the potatoes go in. Next, you're going to put in the sausage pieces and the corn pieces, and you're going to let them cook for about 10 minutes. Okay. Now, after that, you're going to add your shrimp. Once that sausage and corn has come up to a nice boil and everything's boiling and everything, you know, you're going to add your shrimp there while the pot is boiling. And then you're going to return it to a boil and time it for three minutes. Okay. So you got that. You're going to put in your potatoes and cook them for about 10 minutes. Then you're going to add your sausage and corn and cook that for about 10 minutes. You're going to put your shrimp in and you're going to make sure it comes back to a boil. And once it's boiling, you're going to cook that for three minutes. When that timer goes off, yes? Speaking of shrimp, I think I might have found the brand. Is it Poteet Seafood Company? I think that's what it is. It could be. (laughs) Poteet Seafood Company could be the one. You can usually find at a bigger grocery store, you can usually find the wild-caught fresh shrimp. I I encourage you to do that. I'm not a big fan of farm-raised shrimp, but if you have to do it, you have to do it. But if you if you uh, go to a bigger size grocery store, or if you happen to be lucky enough to have a really good fish market near you, like Holy's, you could probably Holy's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you could probably get your uh, wild caught shrimp there. So now that your shrimp's done cooking, your timer goes off. Ding! You've got your colander ready in your sink. And you take that big pot of boiling food and you carefully, so carefully, pour that into your colander and let it drain. And then what I did, I had a big tray, a big stainless steel tray on my table and I took my colander and I dumped it into that tray and everything was nice and hot and we ate it. Now here is what you're going to serve with it. This is the Gullah Geechee garlic sauce. And another thing I wanted to mention, too, that I forgot to in my first part, another really interesting part of the Gullah Geechee culture is that when they were living on those sea islands, some other people lived on those sea islands, too, and they were Native Americans. So what happened was these slaves formed friendships with these Native Americans, and the Native Americans showed them how to grow corn and um, showed them some of the local spices that we had around that they used, the herbs and spices, the sort of things that they use, and they taught them some things, and the Gullah Geechee people taught the Native Americans some things, so this, this was a really cool cultural blending here where you have, you know, that's what this recipe is. This low country boil is really a culturally blended recipe, even though it's so simple, because it it blends things that might not have been eaten by one people group with another people group, and they blend them together and make this delicious food that you could put any kind of seafood in this. You could put crawdads in this. You could throw oysters in this if you wanted to. You could put any kind of Critters. I want to say critters. I can't think what they're called. But, you know, any kind of shellfish that you wanted to throw in there, any kind of fish that you wanted, whatever you wanted to throw in, any whatever. So crustaceans. Is crustaceans, that, what yeah. that would be a good thing. Okay, so, um, so this is a really, I think this is one of the most interesting, even as simple as it is, one of the most interesting dishes because it's a, it's a very, I guess it's a really good picture of an American melting pot Sort of a it's, dish. It's literally a melting pot. Yeah. Because it's, well, it, a boiling pot. Yes, it's a boiling pot. But it's that sort of a thing. It's a very American 
dish with Native American elements and African elements and these people, this uh, Gullah Geechee group of people, this people group has such a rich, their cooking traditions are fantastic. So a lot of the foods that you think of as a core Southern food is it comes from this, this people group because it's, it was so good. And that's one of the things is a lot of these people worked as cooks on the plantations. So basically they were it. You know, they developed all these recipes and these spice combinations and everything. And that's one of the things that you'll find in Southern cooking, the flavorful, like to take something that's, you know, bland and make it into this delicious, flavorful thing by using herbs and spices and the cooking techniques and whatever. That's where this comes from. So here is your um, Gullah Geechee garlic sauce that's excellent on any kind of seafood or like I said, I don't care what you, you, you know, a pizza crust in this would be fantastic. So this is a small batch of it, okay? Um, you're going to take a half a cup of butter, only butter, and melt it in a pan slowly. Does it matter if you use salted or unsalted butter? It doesn't matter. Either one is fine. A salted I would probably think would be better, but it doesn't matter. Okay, so a half cup of butter, you're going to melt that in a pan. Then you're going to add to that two cloves of minced garlic, a fourth teaspoon of red pepper flakes, one teaspoon of chopped parsley. If you have fresh, that's even better. And you're going to just cook that for about two minutes, saute it in there and stir it for about two minutes. Then you're going to add just a touch of salt and pepper to that and keep it warm while you're waiting for your low country boil to be done. When you're going to serve your low country boil, you're going to take your nice warm garlic butter and put it into, you can either put it into individual bowls at people's plates or put it into one bowl and pass it with a spoon in it and have this on your butter. It's so, man, it's so hot, but it is so good. It's like the butter, the butter is just, it becomes infused with the red pepper flakes and it's just, it's very simple, but very good. So that is your butter to serve with your delicious low country boil. How'd you like that one? Make sure to check us out online on our website, MerryMacPodcast.com, on Twitter at MerryMacPodcast or Mobile MerryMac, and on Facebook and Instagram at MerryMacBakehouse. In case you didn't figure it out, I would never pass on a low country boil. I never have in my life and I never will. So thanks a lot for listening if you did. And if you didn't, too bad for you.